Hello, and welcome to the Brain Over Binge podcast, where we share a simple, brain-based approach to ending binge eating. I'm Katherine Hansen, author of two books on binge eating recovery, Brain Over Binge and the Brain Over Binge Recovery Guide. I'm so glad to be co-hosting this show with Cookie Rosenblum, who is a master coach and also an author, and who uses these principles we're sharing in this podcast to help her own clients. Welcome, everyone, and thank you, Catherine. I'm happy to be here for you and to be part of helping you in a full recovery from binge eating. In this podcast, we hope you'll gain valuable information and insights that are going to help you stop binge eating and move on with your life. We want to empower you and encourage you and help make recovery as simple as possible. In the Brain Over Binge approach, there are two main goals of recovery. The first goal is to dismiss urges to binge, and the second goal is to eat adequately. In the last episode, we started going into detail about how to dismiss the binge urges. There are five components that I teach about how to dismiss binge urges. And last time we talked about component one, which was viewing the urges to binge as neurological junk. In this episode, we're going to move on to component two, which is to separate the higher brain from the urges to binge. So let's go into a little detail about what this component means. At a really basic level, it's learning that you, your higher brain, is separate from your urges, which come from your lower brain. And because they're separate and because your higher brain is essentially really in charge, you are fully capable of dismissing the urges. We want you to know that you are separate from the urges and knowing that helps reduce the intensity so you don't feel as controlled by the urge. You see it differently. Separating from those urges, it's a mental shift. It's not something that you have to actively do. It's something that you experience. And when you do, it makes the urges feel way less convincing. Now, it may come right away with insight and recognition, or it just may take time and practice. There's no one right way to do it. But when you see it, it feels very different. So to help you separate from the urges, it can be really helpful to recognize the difference between the urge voice that you hear in your head and your own true voice, your own voice that always wants what's best for you. And the difference is that the urge voice only calls for immediate pleasure and it doesn't care about long-term consequences. You need to learn. And it's one of the things that we do, one of the exercises we do in our course is learning how to be able to recognize the difference so you know right away that this is the urge from your lower brain and there is no need to respond to it. That's right. And you in your higher brain have goals for yourself that are not compatible with the eating disorder. You want more from your life than to be trapped in a life of binge eating. If you're going to recover, you have to distance yourself from the voice that says you actually want to binge because that voice is not you. The urges can feel intrusive and they're really unwanted in your life. They aren't a signal of what you want now or what you want in the future. And as we've learned, the urges come from your lower brain, the more primitive, instinctual part of your brain. And that part of your brain is not concerned with your future or your goals. 
because that is simply not its job. The lower brain's job is to maintain your habits, to drive you toward behaviors it senses are necessary for your survival. And it's your higher brain that's in charge of your goals and your future. That's the part of your brain that thinks about what you want for your life and you do want better for yourself. The good news is that you, in your higher brain, has complete power over your binge urges. It's only the higher brain that can control your voluntary muscle movements. So movements that you use to binge, like getting up and walking to the refrigerator or driving to a fast food restaurant. These muscles that you use to do these actions are only in control of your higher brain. All the lower brain can do is send impulses and encourage you to act. But when you feel these urges, know that you have complete power to choose not to act. When you know you're separate from the urges... It allows you to have access to the self-control functions in your higher brain. In other words, when you absolutely believe you have this power over the urges and that these urges can't control you, then it's much easier to choose not to act on them. It's really such a different uh, perspective, Catherine, you know, the way that you look at it. We have found that it's helpful to separate from the urges by looking at your strengths, And it's really common in traditional therapy to look at your weaknesses, right? What's wrong with you? And to look at your personality and how there might be any factors in your personality of why you're getting the urges, or even to look at your childhood and your upbringing and see what might have contributed to the development of the urges. But we don't want you to do that. We want you to do the opposite. We want you to look at what's right about you so you could use your strengths to learn to dismiss the urges. Your urges are not a reflection of anything that's wrong with you. And look at your life, you know, look at where you do well, look at where you do use self-control. Where do you resist choices that you know are not helpful for you? Because the more you do that and the more you focus on your strength and the more you dismiss, the more you're using the prefrontal cortex, the higher brain, and the stronger it will get. So let's play on the strengths that you already have instead of looking at all the reasons why you might be doing this, none of which we believe are true. Yeah, that's so important. And if you look at it, separating your higher self, like Cookie said, the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that gives us that self-control function. You use this part of your brain a lot already. It's actually something separating from your lower brain is something that we all do every day, kind of without even realizing it. If you think about it, you have impulses and desires every day, but so many of them you simply just don't pay attention to. You might have a thought to run a red light, but you don't give that thought any value because you've already decided that it's something you just don't do. So that's just one example, but I want you to really think about all these things in your life that you would never consider doing, even if you had a random thought telling you to do it. And I just want you to realize that it can be possible to start viewing binge eating in the same way, just as something you would never do. You can learn to consider binge eating as not an option. And if you can do this, you can learn to see the desire for it as something completely separate from your true self and your true wants and needs. 
and just start seeing it as something you would never consider doing. And therefore, any urges that come up to do it, you can automatically not give attention to, just like you do with other impulses and desires that you would never do. Catherine, I love the expression when people say it's not an option. I've seen that a lot in the people that we work with, and it's such a strong statement. And when you can see that, when you can believe that, I find that it's been really helpful for a lot of people. If they could just think and believe it's not an option, it's helpful in them not going any further with the urge. Exactly. That's so powerful. And when people learn about this second component of dismissing urges and the importance of separating the higher brain from the urges to binge, their reaction is sometimes something like this. They say, well, I understand intellectually that I'm separate from my urges, but sometimes I really feel like I want to binge. And to Cookie and me, this concern is not really surprising because the lower brain is conditioned to react as if binge eating is necessary for your survival. So in the moments of an urge, you are, of course, going to feel like you want to binge. That's the lower brain's job. But you can still make it not an option. You can still remain separate from that feeling of wanting. You can accept that this feeling is present and observe this feeling, but without letting it lead you to action. Because the feeling will pass, and then you'll again remember that you actually didn't want to binge at all. This feeling of wanting can almost be described as an illusion, and this illusion is only present before a binge. If you binge, it goes away and you realize it was false. But also, if you don't act on it, it also goes away. And we, of course, want you to learn not to act on it. The feeling that you actually want to binge is what we call false wanting. It's a temporary passing feeling. It will subside. And eventually you're going to remember again that you actually did not want to binge. And you'll be really glad that you didn't. But here's a little insight into how your thoughts and feelings work in relation to those urges to binge. Something happens in the world, anything that happens in the world, and you get a thought about it. Your mind creates a thought. And your thoughts are what create your feelings. And your feeling is that urge, that desire. And if you follow your feeling, that feeling is going to lead you to take action and follow the urge and binge. Now, the reason it might get confusing to you is that the feeling, the urge, it feels so real. It feels so strong. It is real but it's based on a false thought from your lower brain. And that's what we mean by false wanting. The feeling of wanting to do it feels real, but it's based on a false thought. So right now you may remember that you didn't actually want to binge after a binge, but your goal is to begin to recognize that false wanting beforehand, catch it, and realize that it's not actually your true desire before you take the first bite. You're going to be able to catch yourself sooner and sooner, and eventually you will be able to see it before you go into the urge and before you start eating. Yes, recognizing that false wanting prior to beginning a binge is key. There's also another aspect of feeling like you want to binge. Some people have the idea that life will be perfect after recovery. They think their weight will drop quickly, 
or their weight will be what they want it to be. Some people think that after they stop this habit, then right away, they're going to be able to eat in a way that feels natural and eat in a way that feels completely effortless. Or they think other changes will suddenly take place in their life, like their relationships will start to feel more peaceful, or they'll become more successful, or just that life will begin to feel relatively easy. Now, you'll certainly begin to notice benefits of being binge-free, even soon after you quit, and it's important to focus on those benefits. But it's also very important to know that stopping a destructive habit doesn't guarantee a rapid transformation. It doesn't guarantee that your life will be perfect. And it certainly doesn't guarantee that you'll be able to eat perfectly or that you'll suddenly be at the weight that you want. If you think that recovery will lead to such a rapid transformation in so many areas of your life, then when binge eating stops and that doesn't happen, or at least it doesn't happen as quickly as you would like it to, you may start to feel a sense of disappointment. And that disappointment can possibly trick you into thinking that maybe you do actually want to binge. But that's simply not true. And that's the benefit of separating your other problems from binge eating. Because even if you have hundreds of other problems, none of those mean that you should go back to binging. None of those mean that you actually want to binge after all. Binge eating is not a solution to any of those problems. Even if life feels difficult after recovery, even if it feels more difficult than maybe you think it should, binge eating is only going to make it worse. It doesn't ever take pain away. As we've talked about, binging is not something that successfully helps you cope with anything. It only adds more pain. When you have the binge eating habit, you still have all the problems and challenges and difficulties of life, which are often inevitable. But then you also have the pain of binge eating on top of that. What we want you to know is life will absolutely be better without binge eating, but it certainly won't be perfect. And expecting it to be perfect or expecting that stopping this habit will lead to such a sudden change in all areas of your life is not very helpful. Having problems and challenges in your life is not evidence that your binge eating is actually your true desire. Any thoughts that tell you it is your true desire are just junk from the lower brain. Your lower brain is just trying to maintain the habit that you've created, but you, in your higher brain, know that it's not truly what you want. We know, and we know that you know, or can at least imagine, that life is no doubt much better without binge eating, of course. But sometimes when you're just getting used to living without it, real life can feel a little overwhelming. And you may wonder, you know, who are you without binge eating occupying so much of your waking moments? And it becomes a way that you identify yourself. So real life can feel a little scary or difficult or challenging, but don't assume that that means that you really want to binge. It's not the case at all. It's important to be realistic and know that, of course, you know, life after recovery won't be perfect, but it will absolutely be much better than spending so much time binge eating or thinking about binge eating or hating yourself after you do it. I completely agree. There might be a period of adjustment for you after binge eating stops, but please know that this will pass and life will be so much easier to manage without this destructive habit. 
That concludes today's episode on separating the higher brain from the urges to binge, which is component two of dismissing urges. Next time, we'll be continuing to teach you to dismiss these urges by talking about component three, and we hope you'll be here for that discussion. We also want to encourage you, if what we're talking about here in this podcast resonates with you, you can go to the show notes to see how you can learn more. You can get a copy of my free ebook, The Brain Over Binge Basics, and Cookie's free ebook as well by clicking on the links in the show notes. Remember, we're here for you. And if anyone else can do this, you can too. And we hope you'll join us again. And for now, this is Catherine and Cookie reminding you that you have the power to rewire your brain and live a binge-free life. The Brain Over Binge podcast is produced and recorded by Brain Over Binge Recovery Coaching, LLC. All work is copyrighted by Brain Over Binge Recovery Coaching, LLC, and all rights are reserved. As a disclaimer, the hosts of the Brain Over Binge podcast are not professional counselors or licensed healthcare providers, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy. Eating disorders can have serious health consequences, and you are strongly advised to seek medical attention for matters relating to your health. Please get help when you need it, and good luck on your journey.